Welcome, everybody, to the UND Insider Weekly Podcast Final Edition for 2015-16. Playing the air guitar, joining us today is Paul Ralston, Tom Miller from the Grand Forks Herald, and Brad Schlossman is here. Right, Brad? I am here. Also from the Grand <laughs> Forks Herald. <laughs> Last week, we recapped UND's Hockey National Championship uh, with victories in the uh, semifinals over Denver and then Quinnipiac for the title and the celebrations going on and will go onward. UND has lost uh, at least one player to a professional signing that could have been back, and that was Troy Stetcher. And uh, UNDsports.com will keep you up to, up to date on any other happenings as far as the movement of UND hockey players. But right now we want to talk about what happened at the High Performance Center on Saturday as UND spring football wrapped up under head coach Bubba Schweiger, his third spring football, and uh, getting ready for their Big Sky Conference season coming up. And the game was supposed to be uh, at Memorial Stadium originally because the weather looked a little gamey. Moved it over to uh, the High Performance Center and drew a big crowd. Uh, it was not a spring football game. I don't think very few places actually have a game anymore. But they did a little scrimmaging and they did some practice and things like that. Tom Miller and Paul Ralston were both there. Your takes, gentlemen, from uh, from Saturday's uh, spring football game. And Tom, really, your take from uh, spring football as long as you've been able to follow a little bit of it. Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing that jumped out to me was... Um the the running back play of Oscar Neverman and Austin Gordon they got a they got most of the action with uh, they already kind of feel like they have a body of work on John Santiago there's no reason to uh, no kind of need to further evaluate him so uh, and Brady Oliveira has kind of proven himself a little bit and he uh, he's returned from an injury so he both those two guys only got a little bit of action he looked good back from his injury yeah you know, like he hasn't yeah, he, missed much well, really. he he certainly didn't shy away from uh, contact in that spring game he. Uh, he had some goal line runs there, but uh, I think Oscar Neverman really, really shined there. Um, you know, he's going to add a, an extra element, the Wyoming transfer, who had to sit out all of last year. Um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what they end up doing. Uh, they're going to try to get all four of those backs on the field at different times uh, in as many ways as possible as they can. So maybe Craig Ball knew what he was doing when he didn't want Neverman to play against Well, he wanted him to play linebacker, so I don't know if, if Paul knew what he was doing. With that. Yeah, maybe he doesn't know what he's doing when it all shakes out. Huh? You know what I took away, and, and certainly the most obvious thing was the running back, uh, just the show of depth. I mean, there was some spectacular moments. You maybe look at Austin Gordon as being the surprise, but the one thing I took away was um, you know, the number of snaps that they gave to Brad Heidelbaugh, who is a uh, freshman out of rugby, North Dakota, and for the type of player that they're looking to play that position, you see why they want to see him be successful because he's got that ability to run that read option where a quarterback can tuck it and cut up kind of like Keaton Studsrud does now. He's got that ability to go pick you up five, six yards when he hits the right hole. Um, the biggest thing for him is is the way he throws the ball. And the one thing I will say is that you know from the fall when I saw him work, take extra drills and extra throws after practices in the fall – uh, to where he is in the spring, he actually does look like he's really worked on that part of his game. And not to say that he doesn't have a ways to go, but I would say that uh, Brad Heidelbaugh has been uh, a nice progression. And uh, there may be some potential there for, them, for that youngster from rugby down the road or if they need him. Yeah, and they, they found out last year that the drop-off from Keaton Studzer to Ryan Bartles, and Ryan Bartles is still a good quarterback. He perhaps just doesn't quite fit uh, Bubba Schweiger's system as well as he did maybe Chris Musman's. But uh, the drop-off there uh, for this offense last year was pretty evident, and they need that. that's a big um, 
you know, a, a big movement to have having Heidelbach come up and um, show that that he might be able to be counted on as a number two because the way Keaton Stedzer does play, um, you know, the uh, the fact that he could get injured again is obviously always a possibility when you ask the quarterback to run as as much as Keaton likes to run. So um, Heidelbach is uh, very important to have in, in that number two spot if he's able to win the battle over Ryan Bartles. Talk about a little bit about Joel Mulberg. Right. Tight end, right? Right, yeah. Did, was he, did he play? Is he he's healthy enough to play? And how's he look there? N- not bad. I actually I, I thought he looked like he belonged. Uh, you know, I watched him just do some work before they kind of started the scrimmage, and then I watched him do some work uh, in the scrimmage. And you can tell he's kind of you know learning on the go, but body type wise, I mean, he looked like he's always he, looked like he, a fullback. Yeah, Would he, he be an H back kind of thing? Uh, uh, yeah, he'd be he'd be a tight kind of deal. Well, I think he he could be more of a true tight end because because of his body type that he uh, he can block as well. And um, I think you know he's such a good athlete. Even coming out of high school, obviously he was a multi-sport athlete. That uh, I think the pass catching will come along. But um, he he did drop a ball early in that in that spring game. But uh, I think they'll keep going back to him. I think they're intrigued by him at the very least. No no doubt about it. And you, but you look at Joe's um, ability to kind of fight through. Uh, a terrible injury, just a horrific one in that Achilles uh, tendon there, and and uh, work his way back, and things didn't necessarily fall back into place for him on probably his preferred spot. But the fact that he's been able to basically use just a few months here and basically start to learn a, a new role, something that he never really had to do even in high school, he was always a quarterback, uh, is encouraging. And I think in that area, that's one area where you they need a lot of players for different situations because you see we even saw on Saturday they showed some two and three tight end looks just in in uh, in what they showed uh, in the scrimmage they so they're going to need multiple tight ends and so I think his body type and his athleticism will fit well with what they're trying to do and so I think he'll play uh, some sort of a role here as we move forward into his final collegiate season. Joe Mulberg is uh, as a tight you mentioned three tight end sets is that new? You know, I think right when Bubba got here, he he was all about uh, the way he put it was getting more big bodies on the field. Um, so you know, I, I think I, we've seen some multiple tight end sets out of him. Uh, maybe they'll maybe they feel like they're a little more comfortable this year with utilizing the the tight end talent that they have with, um, you know, whether it's uh, Luke Fiedler, or Jacob Francis, or Matthewson. Uh, yeah, Luke Matthewson. Um, maybe maybe they're just more confident in the in the the depth of their tight ends to use more three tight end sets. Who didn't practice or play on Saturday or, or during the spring that they'll count on to play, be healthy, and play in the fall? Well, I think uh, offensive lineman Brandon Miller has sat out the spring, and he'll he'll have an opportunity to work into the mix at guard. Um, right now, they got Dan Bell and Demont Taylor at guard, and I think they anticipate some shuffling come fall again. But uh, Brandon Miller could be in the mix. He started uh, started early in the season last year before um, kind of injuries and and other things worked worked him out of the lineup. But uh, that's one that I, that I would anticipate getting into the mix. Uh, Zach Arnell at safety has sat out. Um, after getting injured against the Bison last year, um, I think he'll he's a leading candidate to to start opposite Cole Reyes at safety. Uh, although Tanner Palmborg had had a very good spring game as a walk on, um, could challenge for that spot. Um, Josh Seibel has gotten injured, a wide receiver out of Bismarck, um, and his 
His next fall is kind of uh, questionable right now with uh, the significant injury that he suffered. He was on crutches at the spring game. So uh, those, those are some of the major injuries to watch. I wanted to touch base on, you know, for the fan base, one thing that you look at in that uh, spring scrimmage for spring game was, okay, one of the questions is depth at receiver. And I think we saw certainly, uh, you know, like Doolin getting a lot of reps and snaps, and we saw uh, Blackwell get some snaps uh, during the spring game. And then you look conversely across the line of scrimmage, defensive line, how many different players they have the ability to just throw in there. There's going to be a lot of guys, unfortunately, on the D-line that probably aren't going to be able to travel because there's just so many guys that they can go to. So that's going to be a real competitive side of the ball. Conversely, on the wide receiver side, Tom, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that evolves because he loses Seibel, who's been playing, you know, has played uh, a significant role for this North Dakota team over the last couple of years as far as being a wide receiver that gets a lot of reps. But it's kind of interesting how you both sides of the ball, it's a little different. Yeah, and you know they're going to need somebody to step up at wide receiver, whether it's an incoming true freshman or uh, maybe it's a Stetson Carr who got a lot of action in the spring game. Uh, but Luke Stanley and Clive Georges are going to have to stay healthy as they're starting wide receivers, and uh, they they we didn't see Reed. Yeah, Alex Reed. Alex Reed was banged up. A guy who who played a lot uh, throughout spring practice. So I don't know exactly when he uh, when he went down, but um, you know he's a guy when he's practiced, he's he's looked good and like somebody that'll that'll uh, contribute in game action but he hasn't contributed in game action yet because he seems to be uh, banged up a little too often you got to have that threat though don't you I mean I know he wants to run the football but if you don't have the threat of doing something else downfield that's why Clive's so important I think you know you got to have one guy that uh, can be your kind of take off the back end or whatever you want to call it with uh, with play action Um, you know they gotta they gotta value that that Clive can beat him uh, over the top. So even just getting it on film, you know, you beat a team over the top once or twice, and then everybody else has to worry a little bit with with Santiago. So, do you, uh, do you think that uh, do you, do you think that there is a possibility that a true freshman wide receiver coming in in the fall, uh, one of their recruits, might be counted upon to step in early and, and play some sort of role? Yeah, I think the kid out of Red Wing, Travis Toivonen, mm-hmm. um, uh, a big-bodied kid who. Uh, who who has, who's drawing some Luke Stanley type comparisons already, and maybe even more athletic than than Luke. Um, so I, I would imagine that he he would get a really long look to play right away because they're uh, they've been thin at wide receiver here for a couple of years, and um, yeah, they they need a little more bodies there. Defensively, have they uh, have they addressed the need for speed? Well, you know, one one of the things that uh, I, I don't know necessarily that this defense looks any slower. Uh, you know, I mean. Or anything like that. They still they seem like quick. The one thing that Coach uh, Schweigert pointed out, and I'm sure he visited with Tom afterwards, was that he'd like to see a little bit better uh, open field tackling than was exhibited in the in the scrimmage. And one of the things that stood out to me is that you know there is no longer Will Rattel, and and he could kind of clean things up. Sometimes even if things got a little messy, he'd clean things up. And and that's going to be kind of interesting to see how that inside backer presence a lot of times those guys are the ones that are asked to to go in and kind of clean plays up and and to see how that evolves because I'm not sure necessarily well you're you're rarely are you given someone of the talents of a Will Rattel and I'm kind of curious to see what you saw from that position as the spring uh, progressed Tom because there's not a Will Rattel among them but there there are certainly some good pieces there just to see how they develop yeah I think they I think they like what they 
are going to get out of Connor O'Brien and Dylan Bacher. Um, and then when Todd Rich becomes healthy, obviously they know what they can get out of him. Uh, what they wanted to see throughout spring was kind of some emergence of Donnell Rogers, um, Dejon Murray transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't know if uh, if they're ready to count on those guys yet, but they got a lot of valuable reps come fall. Maybe they're uh, they can uh, develop some trust, but. Uh, you know, I I was watching on the back end. I think it's interesting to see the competition that's going to take place at cornerback with uh, uh, Jameer Irvin Sills and Deion Harris, and then Tyus Carter comes back. Chris Carter is there. Um, you know, there's going to be a battle for those those cornerback uh, reps. I think. But you're going to need them anyway, though, aren't you? I mean, no doubt in this league in the Big Sky, and and the one thing is is that uh, you're starting to see uh, that corner position. Not necessarily through recent additions, but the, you know, you're talking about Harris and the Carters, and uh, the, these guys have all played uh, collegiate reps now, and so just from the experience alone, you expect them to take, you know, additional steps here as they as they move forward. Uh, you know, I think that's an area where they still are trying to address maybe some talent, get a little longer, like a Dion Harris. Uh, you know, he he gives you that look of being a long, lanky, uh, athletic corner out on the edge some of the the uh, carters are a little bit different looking uh on the other side so uh it's definitely something i think that they're continuing to kind of address but the one thing you can say is about them is they've seen a lot of action and they you know they won't be surprised by anything at, at this level what they're seeing in the big sky yeah you know going back to asking if if und has improved their speed you know i, I think a lot of their undoings uh, the last couple of years weren't so much speed but more of uh um, making sure they're in the right call and the right check and uh, the knowledge of the defense and speak where where you were speaking to as far as uh, experience at corner at least they're improving there and they've got some guys at safety who have, who who are the guys who make the calls and they've been around a little little more now with with Reyes and Ar- Arnell um, so that might be one of the challenges that those inside backers face without uh, Will Rattel who made some of those calls as well so. Um, you know, I think if they can uh, they can get guys up to speed with the knowledge of the defense, that'll be just as big as um, making sure they have the right athletic bodies. So, what will be the biggest question coming into uh, the fall? I think it's got the whole line. Yeah, it, it's kind of uh, you know, it's always more interesting to watch quarterback battles, but really, it's it's probably going to come down to the offensive line and how they replace uh, a Colton Boas at center and a Brandon Anderson and a Sean Meehan at guard. Uh, they got they got three new bodies up the middle to try to. Uh, try to replace and that's that's going to uh, be a direct impact to John Santiago and whether or not he can repeat his All-American performance as a freshman. All right. Brad, uh, uh, anything to add? I was going to talk to Brad here since we have him. Uh, Stanley Cup playoffs and, and UND players uh, involved in the in the Stanley Cup. Uh, just your thoughts on kind of uh, one series that I've taken kind of an interest in is the Panthers-Islanders series. you got Brock Nelson on one side, Rocco Grimaldi on the other. It's been kind of a fascinating uh, to kind of just kind of take a, a viewpoint of how many UND players are involved this year and how they're matching up, and just your thoughts on take of uh, former UND guys in in the Stanley Cup playoffs so far. Yeah, that's one of them. Um, the uh, the other one you got Dave Haxtall and Chris Vandevelde against uh, Taylor Chorney and T.J. Oshie, so. Uh, that's an interesting one. Chris Porter Which scored. Which will be over uh, soon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that one will be over soon. Yes. Uh, Don Cherry was wrong. He picked the Flyers to win game three. They did not. So. Well, they and, came flying out in that one with the emotion and everything of the Ed Snyder yeah. deal and got the lead and then. P- 
penalties. Right down the crapper from there. Okay. Don't take penalties against no. the Capitals. Five power play goals. Yeah. Do you think the Islanders may be the little better edge in, in that series against the Panthers, or what do you see in that one? Well, they're up two to one. I think Florida's probably a better team. They, you know, they had a better season, but uh, you know, in, in the playoffs, you never know. They're they're tight enough that the Islanders could win that one. Now, um, those are those are players that are UND players playing in the NHL. We saw Stetcher leave. Now, give me your opinion on other losses. I think you documented that you thought Keaton Thompson for sure would be going after Gage Osmus said he was staying. Yep. What so, do you see? What do you anticipate, Brad? Well, I, you know, I, I always look at their decor because they have so many guys they could lose or they, they could have returned everyone or they could have lost almost everyone. So getting Gage back is big. I think Heaton Thompson's going to go. I think they have a chance to get Tucker Pullman back with his brother coming in next year, and um, that's a unique opportunity because those two have never played together their entire lives. Are, are there additional recruits that are defensive incoming that are kind of waiting to see how it all plays out uh talented well, defense. There's an interesting sure. thing yeah. there because colton pullman has to come he's coming for sure yeah he has to come okay dixon bowen who they moved to defense in penticton played like 40 games i think the last 40 mm -hmm. games at defense something like that he doesn't have to come no. so i think there may be some and casey johnson doesn't have to come yep he has another year of junior eligibility too so i think all those situations are waiting to see what plays out yep. with paul ladu and keaton thompson for the most part huh yeah and, yeah and, and tucker pullman still has a, a decision right. to make so uh still waiting for those three and then of course i think everyone's waiting up front for nick schmaltz to see what he ends up doing um you know luke johnson's another guy who could go but Obviously, if they get Nick Schmaltz back, that uh, top line could be pretty deadly again. Have we ever had a line of all first-round draft picks? If it ended up with Schmaltz playing, <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna go do the research on that to see if um, it, it was possible with the 0506 team when they had Oshi, Stafford, Zajac, and Taves all on the same team. But at the end of the year, they were they had I think it was Taves and Stafford and Oshie and Zajac together, so they didn't. But at somewhere along the line, it's possible that three right of them enough. were together. I have to go look at line combos. One other thing before we go, let's uh, let's look down the uh, UND football schedule. They play at Stony Brook, New York, Bowling Green for uh, non-conference South Dakota for the Potato Bowl here, and then into the Big Sky Conference season and. Paul and uh, Tom, what do you think? Uh, how do they? What do you project that this team? How they could finish, and would they make the playoffs? Yeah, I, I think uh, you know, getting rejected from the playoffs last year obviously has them pretty hungry to get in there, and I, I think with their schedule, it sets up to uh, to allow them an opportunity to to be in that picture. Um, I think one of the scary things is perhaps their Big Sky schedule isn't. Uh, all that great, um, which there, is which, which on mines, yeah. which on which on one hand is means that you should win some games. On the other hand, if you lose some games, uh, you don't have the strength of schedule or the uh, the, the the good Actually, looking wins see potential. Washington or Montana on there, right? And Eastern Washington, Montana, obviously. And if you uh, lose some games, then you can start getting into what the committee calls quality losses. Yeah, which, whatever that means, and I have no idea. That's why they want to take it out of the hands of the committee and. Uh, kind of take care of things themselves. So I think they should have a great opportunity. I think early on it's going to be big to Stony Brook and South Dakota are going to be two games that are going to really dictate uh, if UND is going to have to kind of play some catch-up or uh, hold off uh, 
hold off a letdown. I think it gets down to that offensive line, like you said, uh, Coach Kanoff, and what he's able to do and develop these guys. Uh, they, they can really control games if they if they have that line of scrimmage like they have at, at, during the most successful times here in recent seasons. Uh, you mentioned that Stony Brook game. Uh, that's a critical one on the road, and the reason that one stands out to me is the last time Stony Brook was we played them was here at the Alaris. Boy, they were a big physical team, and uh, and if they're the same type of team, that that should make for an interesting game one matchup to start the season, where you got a North Dakota team where the identity now is to be big, physical, uh, get after you, and then Stony Brook. I think that's the type of way, at least the last time we saw them here at the Alaris. They're okay with that type of, of a game themselves. So game one could, could be very interesting right out of the gates. I think UND's got an opportunity to make it a lot prettier game than it was in the Alaris Center. I think they got a little more firepower than they did when Stony Brook came here. I True. think that was a uh, – both offenses were kind of a little bit of, you know – wasn't struggling. pretty. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it, well, I, it was, I think it was like a 10-7 game or yep. something like that. So Matter of survival. Yeah. Paul, you were with the football and you were with basketball and softball. What's yeah. your highlight of the season? For just pull one out of the top of your head. For just any of them. For any of them? Uh, well, uh, Quentin, Hooker's, Quentin, Quentin Hooker's triple-double for me was uh, just an individual performance at the collegiate level is, is just remarkable when you see a guy have you know, double-digit points, assists, and, and rebounds. Uh, it, it, it's and, and, and for a guy like Quentin Hooker, uh, rebounding should not come easily for him, but that's all effort because he's only six feet tall. And uh, I think, and it just go to sh- went to show you just what a, an exceptional get that was uh, as a player, you know, of his caliber to bring get him in, in into uh, the University of North Dakota and we're, I'm just really excited to see him have another season here that we have one more year with Quentin Hooker. But that, that was the moment that stood out to me this year was that individual performance was special. How about you, Tom? Huh. I'll say... Uh, you're at all the sports. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'll just avoid hockey. Uh, just leave that to Schloss's... Uh, Leave the expertise. Championship game right, yeah, that one's been too... instructed to leave the national <laughs> that, that one's too Everybody obvious. Everybody say that's one of the greatest I'll, I'll say in San Luis Obispo in, in California, Cal Poly, UND football, uh, finishing with seven wins and doing it in such dominant fashion and such a uh, cool place. And, um, you know, I think uh, I think that was a big moment in UND football, even if, uh, even if they got left out of the playoffs. Brad, what do you think? I'm going to say uh, the final 20 seconds counting down uh, in Tampa and looking at the bench and seeing the guys jump up and down and uh, get ready to come out on the ice and realize that they had finally uh, they had finally conquered it after being so close so many times over the last 15 years. And um, and nobody got tripped up from the going over the boards this time? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you no. cheated. You won a national championship game. You got to come up with something else. <laughs> something else. I mean, I'm going to say I th- the okay. Miami series here was one because we saw we saw the six passes in four seconds. That's we saw Drake Cajulo, the big move. <laughs> uh, but I, I kind of like the Michigan game in the West uh, in the region final mm-hmm. because they are the mighty and powerful uh, Michigan Wolverines, <laughs> and they had the CCM line, which is the greatest thing since sliced bread, <laughs> and UND kicked their ass. And I really enjoyed that. I yeah. If I could add in a hockey thing, and just from uh, observing uh, from a periphery person, I think th- coming back from uh, the two losses in Denver and the way they, way they handled things, that, that was a, a critical juncture, I think, 
and uh, it was just a pivotal moment in the season. Well, the Friday game in Denver, if you want to go just pure by watching hockey, and enjoyable game. games to watch. The Friday night game in Denver, even though it was a loss, was a great game. Well, if you want to, if you want me to pick out a moment others other than the national championship, I will pick out the um, six passes and four seconds yeah. in the zone play because I thought that. Um, kind of uh, was a microcosm of the season where every time you went to the rink there was something that happened that you were just like I can't believe they just did that and that was at the top of the list and it just seemed like this team more than any other that I've covered uh, did something every night that you know you were just uh, well it's interesting we said it to each other we talked about it in Portland Maine we did I remember that this team's going to be fun to watch yeah Regardless, yeah. win, lose, tie, whatever <laughs> yeah. it is, they're going to be entertaining. That's to what watch. I thought. I didn't think they would go through losing six games all year at that point, <laughs> you know. But I, you know, that's the same thing. Yeah, I think right away, it only took us two games to realize that this was going to be something uh, super entertaining to yeah, watch. Yeah, entertaining. This year. I don't think anybody realized how successful it would be, but yeah. certainly they were going to be entertaining. Yeah. No all right, gentlemen. Uh, by the way, uh, on our uh, our sister podcast, sit down and cheer. Troy Stencher, now of the Vancouver Canucks, was going to be the guest with Mitch and uh, Haji, right? Jason Haji. And remember, you can subscribe to this podcast and the sister podcast. Just go to undsports.com and I'll take care of you. David Folsky has been just. Hey, hey, do we have a better engineer than David Folsky? He's number one. Not in this room. Yeah, I don't think we've had one as good as him this whole time we've been I doing so either. I think Paul made that comment the other day. I just can't yeah. believe what an engineer Folsky is. Yeah. Well, the fact that he's patient enough to deal with my all my situations and things like that, I think that goes a long way. But how many times did he mute me this year? Yeah. Remember, I'd like start talking and my mic would be off? Yeah. <laughs> I'm usually the one that's getting <laughs> muted. Usually, as soon as I start talking about international soccer, we... okay, yeah. David okay. Folsky, yeah. Who, by the Folsky. way, <laughs> who is still in the running for the president uh, seat here at the University of North Dakota. So send your votes. Uh, just follow him and uh, send your your backing for David Folsky for president. Yeah. Brad Schlassman, thanks, appreciate it. Tom Miller and Paul Ralston. I'm Tim Hennessy. That is your UND Insider Weekly podcast. A wrap up 2015-2016. Thanks for listening.